0: shared with you when we moved into this letter to the Ephesians, that the first three chapters are the theology of the church. What is the church? The last three chapters of the letter is what do we do in light of our understanding of the church? I would uh, tell you that I'm probably not going to touch chapter 3 today. I had a thing laid onto my heart, and when God does those things, I pay attention. So if you would please join with me in prayer. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Father, uh, who is adequate for such a task? None. And yet, Father, you are taking the foolish to confound the wise, taking the weak to overthrow the strong. Father, I pray that my brothers and sisters this day will hear, will understand. And as Paul would give theology and then pray, I shall too. Help me, Lord, articulate this passion to you, my King, Christ's name. Amen. I shared with you Ephesians, Paul is writing from being imprisoned. He is a prisoner for preaching that there's oneness in Jesus Christ, regardless of your gender, regardless of your race, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of the nation you're under, regardless of the language you speak. Jew and Gentile even are one. But there's something that I've been thinking about when I say we're dealing with the theology of the church. I could probably ask 50 Christians, what is the church? And I bet I'd get 50 different answers. Okay, when you think about church, what do you think? What is church? Well, it's what I do on Sunday or Wednesdays or Sunday nights or Something like that. One of the things that I have seen that is massive in this country, it's not so much in the countries that I've traveled in, is that people think the church is a place of charity. That if you need your transmission replaced or your electric bill paid for or house payment or some medical expenses and things like that, and you go to church and you go, that's where the church, they'll help you. Uh, Some people say, well, that's... Where you go have a funeral, that's where you go pray, or that's where you go get married, or things like that. So you would get about 50 different responses on what is the church. I remember a number of years ago, I think it was actually before we moved up here from downtown, I made a statement during one of my messages that I love the church more than anything. And, uh, you know, I had people leave the church because I stayed today. that. Church means everything to me. It is my passion. Probably the reason is I spent too much time with Paul. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 through 28. The Apostle Paul says are they servants of Christ i speak as if insane i more so far more labours far more imprisonments beaten times without number often in danger of death five times i received from the jews 39 lashes three times i was beaten with rods once i was stoned three times i was shipwrecked a night and a day i spent in the deep i have been on frequent journeys And dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my countrymen, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangers on the sea, dangers among false brethren. I have been in labor and in hardship through many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. Apart from such external things, there is the daily pressure on me of concern for all of the churches. Paul had a passion for the church. For the church. People ask me what, to me, what is the church? What is it? I mean, we can say, well, you know, it's a group of people that have faith in Jesus Christ and his second coming. I will always go back to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. In case I am delayed in returning, how you should conduct yourself in the church, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. That's what the church is. It's what the church is. What is the doctrine of the church? What is it? We're looking at a section in chapter 3 on the mystery revealed. The mystery is the church. Something that nobody ever knew. Never even understood it. They had no idea. When you read that suffering in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians... That was because the Apostle Paul, everywhere he went, was speaking of the oneness of everybody in Jesus Christ. There are no distinctions. This mystery has now been revealed. This mystery is now understood. And yet, 2,000 years out, I speak to Christians around here, and I'm not sure that it is understood. It has been hidden in past ages. The body of Christ. That's a new thing. That's a new thing. Jew and Gentile, one in Christ. No distinctions. And you know what? The more I think about it, and the fact that God has graced me with traveling international, and I've seen it. It's amazing. Everyone has an opinion of what the church should be. It's crazy. I have people, I was downtown, there was a car show downtown yesterday. And I had some friends who had some cars down there. So I went down and there I was with my flip-flops and my shorts and my sleeveless t-shirt. And I'm walking around down there and I run into some people that I know. There was a handful of pastors in town who are... Police chaplains, so they've got these police chaplain clothes things on, uh, black t shirt says Castrock Police and on the back says chaplain. They have to wear a certain style of boot and long uh, um, khaki pants and all that. So I run into a bunch of them down there and they they, <laughs> they don't know what to do with me. And anyway, the guy one guy introduced me, he says, This is the pastor who's in the Baptist church upon the hill, and the lady looked at me and goes, You don't look like a pastor. I just smiled at her and said, what does a pastor look like? I don't... I've read my Bible a whole bunch of times. It doesn't say what I'm supposed to look like. I can tell you this. Paul would have been one ugly pastor. Because if you get stoned and left for dead, it ain't like you can go get plastic surgery and get your nose put back on your face. Okay? Okay? When I look at the church in Castle Rock, in Douglas County, I see what people want the church to be, and all I can say in one word is that it's abused. When I think of the church, I want you to start thinking the way I think of the church. Okay? When I look at the church, whether I'm in Calavari, Georgia, Baku, Azerbaijan, Glasgow, Russia, Jerusalem, wherever I have been, even in London, wherever I've been, I always look at the church the same. I view it in the heart of the Lord Christ Jesus. The church has a very special place in the heart of the Lord Jesus. The church is called His bride. The true church has a unique place in the heart of Christ. That's why the New Testament spends most of its time showing us our identity in the church and our uniqueness plus the theology of the church, then the New Testament instructs us to behave in a way that is consistent with that definition. Do you hear what I just said? You go look at church members today and they will be behaving in the definitions of what they say the church is. Go check it out. Go check it out. So, the first time it's ever used in the New Testament, church. The word is ekklesias in the Greek. It literally means called out ones. It was funny when I was in Georgia, the Georgians were all bragging, our language is completely different than anyone else on the planet. Ours is unique to Georgians. I was like, ah, cool. And I looked at the writing of it, and I was like, that's unique. I gotta give you that. Okay. But Gia was gonna take me over to where we were gonna meet. And he says, We are going to go to the Ecclesias. And I said, Your language ain't that unique. That's Greek. (laughs) They called the Church, the Ekklesias. First time it's ever used. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16, verse 16. What's going on? Jesus had been in Caesarea of Philippi and he asked his disciples, Who do the people say I am? And so they, some say he was John the Baptist and Elijah and Jeremiah and one of the prophets and The people just had their version of who it was. And then he said to them, Who do you say that I am? Of course, Mr. Peter, not wanting to be left behind in nothing, spoke up quickly and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Okay? Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, Because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. Verse 18, I say to you that you are Peter, and upon that rock I will build my church. Okay, now, Roman Catholics believe that that was the lineage of Peter and is on that rock. The rock of the testimony is the chief cornerstone, right? Right? Who is the rock? I don't understand why people can't get that. I want you to hear this. Okay? I don't know how important church is to you. Okay? But I want you to hear this. I will build my... Parachurch organization? Charitable ministry. Music ministry? No, I will build my church. You know what that means? The church is His church. I've had a lot of conversations with different ones of you concerned about what's going on. It's His church. He will build it. He Himself is the builder of it. One of my favorite sections... And uh, there's an irony here. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, towards the end of the chapter, he's saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders. He's preparing to go to Jerusalem where he will be arrested for preaching this mystery revealed. Okay? And it's fascinating to me. Beginning of verse 28. Be on guard for yourselves. Okay, he's leaving. He spent three years in Ephesus, day and night, house to house, intimate with the people. Be on guard for yourselves and all of the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church. Of God, which he purchased with his own blood. When Jesus Christ called Peter on the Damascus road, he didn't say, Paul, why are you persecuting my church? Why are you persecuting my church? That's all he said. Why are you persecuting me? He built it himself. And you know what? He purchased it with the highest price that could be paid for something. Did you hear what I just said? The church was purchased at the highest price that could be paid for something. It is his. He bought it. He's building it, and he's doing it for himself. Okay, And it is upon this rock, remember? It's upon this rock, verse 16 of Matthew 16. Upon this rock, you know what that means? The chief cornerstone. Who's the chief cornerstone? So he's building it by himself. He purchased it by himself, and he's building it on him. That's the church. That is the greatest statement in the early gospel that you get on his deity. It is by him. On him. And he says, and the gates of Hades can't stop it. Now I get a lot of people get, well, is that like the gates of hell? No. If he'd have said hell, he'd have said Gehenna. Okay? It's Hades. You know what it is? It's place of the dead. You know what he's saying? You can kill him, and you can't stop it. You can't stop it. The gates of Hades cannot win. Death cannot defeat the church. Why? Who bought it? Who's building it? And what is it on? It is by Him, on Him, for Him. At no point will anyone or anything take the church out of his control. It is for him that the church is built. Not even the father of lies can win against the church. Now, chapter 20 says, ravenous wolves will arise and scatter, not spare the flock, maybe even from among yourselves. And he's talking to the church leadership. But you've got to be on guard. That's what I'm going to teach on at cowboy camp. I've decided. I have three messages. Are you prepared? Listen. Wheat and terror are sown together. He's already told us that. I know that. I know that completely. And wolves will try to tear it apart. I've been in the pastorate long enough to know. I've fought wolves. I've seen them. I've seen people who are divisive. And they're adamant about it. They actually think it's a spiritual gift. But you know what I know? I love the church. And it is invincible. You know why? He's invincible. The church cannot be conquered. Why? He's unconquerable. He will build it by himself. He will build on it by himself. He built it for himself. It ain't yours. It ain't mine. It's for him. Nothing will touch the church. Nothing. The father of lies, the accuser of the brethren, he can't stop the church. The second time the Lord speaks of the church is in Matthew 18. Beginning at verse 15. If your brother sins... Go and show him his fault in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he does not listen to you, take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to even to listen even to the church let him be to you as a gentile and a tax collector Okay Now then here comes the one that gets so abused Truly I say to you Still in the same paragraph. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosened in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. Now, this is I watch people says I'm going to get out and get arm wrestle a bunch of demons and I'm going to bind them up and all the rest of them. And my question to them all is who keeps loosening them? What's up with that? Okay? That text has absolutely nothing to do with prayer. It has absolutely nothing to do with whooping up on demons. That has to do with the church confronting sin inside its walls. Nothing will touch the church. Why? Because whatever the church with more than two or three witnesses confirms as wrong, if it's bound here, it is already bound by who? He who purchased it, he who's building it, he who it is on, he who it is for. He built His church by Himself. He built His church on Himself. He building His church for Himself. And He is building His church of Himself. What the Lord is telling us is that where the church comes together in an act of discipline, whatever the church does on earth, He has done in heaven. He he is in agreement with His church. Mystery revealed. Where two or three are gathered, there am I. Where two or three are gathered, I am in their midst. Whatever you bind, I bind. Whatever you loose, I loose. What you ask, it is done. Christ is inseparable from his church. I get people who say, well, you know, church is full of hypocrites. No, the planet earth is. Church hasn't cornered hypocrisy. Anytime you have a human, you have the potential of a hypocrisy. Well, I worship in my own way. Oh, so what he purchased with his own precious blood ain't good enough for you. Hmm. Tell him that when you see him. I haven't found one that I like. Oh, my God. You've stepped into a new level of arrogance. It was good enough for him, but your standard's better. This that you're looking at in Matthew is Christ introducing the concept of the church by showing how it is tied to him. The church is tied to Him. Castle Rock Baptist Church. You are blood bought by Jesus Christ. It is His. It is built by Himself. It is built on Himself. It is built for Himself. It is built of Himself. It is His church. Lock, stock, Barrel. You know what that means? Well, okay. Mystery revealed in chapter 3 of Ephesians. Okay, it's, it's unique. All right, I'll give you that. Well, it is obvious that it wasn't understood in the Old Testament. And it took Paul and a lot of the epistles to kind of explain it. So it's special. All right. I'll go with that too. But you know what it is? It's sacred. It's His. That's one of the reasons that the Holy Spirit takes so much time in the New Testament to define for us the theology of the church. Why? It shows the marvelous focus of the love of the Lord for the church. See, Acts tells us of the birth of the church. What you could look at is the early history of the church. Ephesians shows us the doctrine, the theology of the church. Listen, in the New Testament, we have four gospels, then the book of Acts. Okay? After that, we have those things called epistles. Right? Epistles is just a really fancy way of saying letters. All right? Who are the letters written to? Or church leaders? Huh, that ought to ring a bell. What do you think? The sum of Christ's relationship to His church... We've already studied it in depth, but I want to repeat it to you. Ephesians chapter 1, 22 and 23. He put all things in subjection under His feet and gave Him as head over all things to the church. Okay, now look what He says. You want to know why there's nothing more on this planet that I love than the church? Look what it says. Which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills all in all. Chew on that one for a little bit. It's His body. You want to see Christ's body? Church. You know... How much it is? It is only the fullness of Him. The fullness? The fullness. Do you understand what that means? It is all that He is. The fullness of Him. His body. The fullness of Him. Through the body, Christ expresses Himself. He starts by expressing Himself to each of us as we come together. Then He expresses Himself through us coming together to a lost and dying world that doesn't have salvation. Brothers and sisters, that's the church. That is the church. And Ephesians explains who we are and what we are to do. Let me show you Christ's heart. A text that so many women know. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 25. Now remember, I told you that the last three chapters of Ephesians are our actions, right? What we're supposed to be doing. Look what it says. Husbands, love your wives. Okay. It's probably a safe thing right there, huh? Just as Christ also loved the church. See, we're always sitting there thinking as a husband, how do I give myself up for this? Well, if I buy her a new stove, I can get a fishing boat. And she can cook the fish when I bring them back. Got a deal. She'll know I love her. Right? Is that what Christ did? Died for us even though we were yet sinners. But I want you to contrast that for a second on Christ's love for the Church. Look what he says. So that he, Christ, might sanctify, make her holy, cleanse her, set her apart, having cleansed her by the washing of the, washing of water with the word. So everybody says, well, as a husband, I should read my Bible to my wife. Oh, missed that one, didn't you? Nah. Why do people go to church? I already told you what the church is. 3.16, 1 Timothy. It is the foundation and pillar of truth. The church becomes more holy when she is washed with the word. That's a serious affection. That he might present to himself the church and all of her glory... Having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but she would be holy and blameless. So husbands also ought also to love their own wives, as their own did you see that? Remember what he's contrasting this to I know a lot of husbands, and I can say safely without any problems, all husbands love their bodies. We clothe them, we feed them, we nap them, we take care of them in our own special loving ways. Right? Is that not what Christ does to the church? If it is the, His body? So if you're not here, how you doing? Well, I worship my own way. Really? High Priest Eli's kids did that once. I think that was the birth of contemporary worship. See what I'm trying to get at? I had people who left the church because I had an affection for her. Verse 29. No one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ also does the church. The real body, blood-bought, born-again believers... When people can show up to church when it's convenient with, for them, I understand that they have no understanding what the church is. None whatsoever. They don't get it. Well, it was too hot. Well, it was too cold. Well, it, it had been rainy and it was a nice day, so I took it. No, 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 you missed it. I want to know. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, I shared with this, his daily concern for the churches. Okay? Everybody in this room, well, except maybe the dog, has concerns. Don't we? We're concerned about something. I was concerned when I came in yesterday, and we spent all that time cleaning the parking lot. It looked great. And that guy came in there. hit, It just sparkled and black. It was awesome. And I come in, and all this stuff is blown across the parking lot. I was like, what was that? I've been robbed. Then I thought, well, I'll just get a broom. And I was like, that's 12,000 square feet. You don't even get no broom. <laughs> Go sit down. What's your concerns? What are your concerns? New Testament spends an awful lot of time showing us the identity and uniqueness and the theology of the church and how we should walk worthy. It is the fullness of Him. Is that your concern? Is it a place that you can be washed by spiritually gifted men and women who can wash you with the word? Do you have a concern? You know, people. We know our money's a little tight, and everybody's going. Well, it's fine. You know, and I hear people say, "Are we going to close?" <laughs> How do you close what he bought? I mean, we may have to start showing up at each other's house, (laughs) but that'd be all right. Are you concerned? Because let me tell you something. My boss is, I know that emphatically. I just touched on the things that I wandered around with this week. He loves the bride of Christ. Like no other love. He died for the bride of Christ. He loves his body. He nourishes his body. He cares for his body. He has an overwhelming concern for his body. Guess what? If we're his, what do you think? Maybe we ought to? Just an idea. Now, you have just seen a glimpse of my love for the church. Okay? If I don't do anything in my ministry, I pray that I can pass that love on to every one of you. Because I'm in this thing to win. Because I know that the church is invincible. Because the owner... Is invincible that's why we meet people. That's why we call each other's brothers and sisters. We together are the fullness of Jesus Christ. Let's pray, Father, I come before you, the author and the finisher. Father, I know that the love that you have given me for your bride is from you. But Father, you know that there's times I wish I didn't. And yet, Father, that fire only seems to get hotter. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters all that they hear this, they will understand the power and the passion that you have poured into your body. And that Father, we will be overwhelmed with the privilege. Of just being in church. Father, may we be overwhelmed with this privilege. As we looked in Sunday school, the joy of our salvation. So thank you, Father. Thank you for these precious people. And Father, as they encourage me, Father, I pray that I can encourage them. But Father, I pray that your spirit will strengthen them for the tasks that are at hand, that they will run and not become entangled to things of this world, that, Father, they will soar in the glory of the resurrected King. Help us, Lord. Help us to take what you have given to us positionally and help us to flesh it out so that people will say that person is different. Their hope is miraculous. As we are in the body of Christ the fullest of Him who purchased her. In Christ's name, amen.